the, the best thing that I did is I realized that if it didn't work, I have no ego. Like, if Aria Design Services, like, brutally failed this year, oops. Like, I tried a business. Um, Kendra's fully employed. I have other streams of income. And so, and I have no ego. Like, I would have been bummed because, like, we created a website. We didn't create a website, though, until, like, client number 12, by the way. Um, I was just telling people that I owned this company. Actually, didn't even have a name until we furnished five units. And then we're like, we should probably name the company. Still to this day, we have no logo. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we have Sarah Weaver on, and Sarah Weaver is so incredible. She owns so many different businesses. She is known, now we're going to hopefully help this name get known, as the homeless homeowner, the person that is homeless by choice, gets to travel the world and have so many adventures. She owns so many different companies from a company that creates adventures for real estate investors to be able to live out their bucket list items to furnishing rentals and getting those things launched to writing a book about the 30 day stay and so many more things. Sarah, we are so honored to have you on. And like always, if you'll start us off, what is the craziest real estate experience you've had since you've been in the business? Oh, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Matt. Really good to be here. Uh, man, the craziest deal that I've done was in long distance burr. So I wanted to use my, do my first burr. For those of you that don't know, burr is where you buy it, you renovate it, you rent it out, and then you refinance it. And I sent a text message to a real estate agent in Iowa while I was living in New Zealand. I told him exactly what I was looking for, you know, sent my crystal clear deal criteria and he sent me a deal probably about six weeks after I sent that text. So I was kind of, you know, thrown off guard. I was like, oh, I wasn't ready to analyze this. I analyzed it and it was on the MLS. It was listed and it was a perfect burr. I couldn't believe it, but I also didn't have any money because I had just closed on my first fourplex. It was my third property, I think. It, so that makes it my seventh door. I owned seven units at the time. And I'm like, shoot, I don't know how to buy this. And, you know, took it to my group of like trusted friends that are also investors. And they're like, figure it out. Like, don't be a baby. Like, just do it. <laughs> so I used hard money for the first time. My hard money lender required 20% down. So I used private money from the first time. I read Matt Faircloth's Raising Private Capital. I raised $80,000 off of Instagram from a guy that I went to undergrad with and bought that duplex. But here's what makes it even crazier. My agent is brilliant and he asked the seller, do you own anything else? And I love this question because he didn't say, do you have anything else you're willing to sell? Because we investors, we of course say no. But when you ask me to talk about my portfolio, well, yes, I'd love to tell you about my portfolio. And he owned the building next door. And so my agent is a good negotiator and he ended up negotiating. So I bought both duplexes side by side. So I did a long distance burr using hard money for the first time, private money from the first time, long distance, and I burred four units. That is phenomenal. And one of the things that you've already introduced to this picture that I want to go much deeper in, because it's kind of central to Tim and I too, is that the fact that you mentioned your agent. 
you weren't putting out bandit signs. You were not sending out direct mail pieces. You just found an agent. Can you walk us through the process of how did you choose that market? How did you choose that agent? Absolutely. So in 2020, I was 100% committed to being a real estate investor. I owned three doors by that time, two properties, but I bought a property, you guys. And then two years later, bought another property. I was kind of just casually buying real estate because my number one love is travel. So I was living in Brazil and Argentina, honestly, just like living my best life. I was actually able to live off of the cash flow and then was working full time for a US based company, saving almost 100% of my salary. And it wasn't until 2020 that I, a mind shift changed. And I was like, no, I'm a serious investor now. I started introducing myself as an investor. And I knew the only way I was going to be able to scale while living abroad was if I met really good investor friendly agents. And so I just started networking. I would meet an investor, ask them how they found their deal. And if they found it through an agent, I'd say, great, introduce me to your agent. And I was scattered. So when you ask me how I picked my market, I was looking at nine different markets at one time. I was a mess. Like I was analyzing deals in Columbus, Ohio and Tampa, Florida, like in the same day. It was stupid. It was way too scattered. Yeah, well, you say that, and and maybe that's true, but but that but there was some brilliance in that strategy too. Like one of the things that I think is particularly brilliant is the fact that when you you pre vetted these agents through the people that you knew, so when they're get like because like a lot of the work when you're finding agents is like they'll say you find a deal and then they just disappear, and, and or they bring you garbage because it's like they go the easy path. You bypass that. So the challenge for you then was you're in all these different markets, but at least you got agents that can find you deals. Well, Matt, I think that there's two types of researchers. There's the person that likes to go to Google and research, and then there's the person that likes to ask their friend. So if I'm coming to Chicago, I'm not Googling best restaurant to eat at in Chicago. I'm now gonna text Tim and say, Tim, where should I eat dinner? That's just how I am. My business partner for one of my businesses, she's like the complete opposite. God love her, but she's like, if I don't have to talk to a person, I'm not talking right. to a person. And so I just happen to be someone that wants to talk to humans. And so that whole networking piece of finding investor-friendly agents works really well for my personality. So that's amazing. So your personality just automatically moves towards the who, not the how. Um, did that develop? <laughs> did that develop more as you kept going? Because it's like obviously, like once you really start leaning into the who, you could find yourself in a place where you're not really doing that much work and you're still making quite a bit of money. So did that evolve? And did you lean more into the who, or just kind of tell me how that process worked? Yeah, out? I love that because I'm. Of course, I read the book by uh, Dan Sullivan and Dr. Ben Hardy, Who, Not How. And now I do that with everything. So even Aria Design. So I just alluded to my business partner. Mm -hmm. So I own a company called Aria Design Services. And how it started is I posted photos of a unit that I furnished in Nebraska while I was living in a van in New Zealand. And everyone is like, how did you do that? Would you, do, would you furnish mine? I think actually someone said, oh my God, would you furnish mine? And immediately, Tim, I was like, oh my God, no, <laughs> because I'm busy. Like I'm doing a bunch of stuff. And then I was like, wait a minute, I think there's a business in here. And so I used the idea of who, not how, and I approached now Kendra, my business partner with this idea. I was like, hey, I think people will pay us 
to furnish and launch their furnished rentals. And so I've been implementing who, not how in so many areas of my life. That is absolutely tremendous. Um, I love it. So, I mean, basically <laughs> you had people reaching out to you and, and <laughs> I love how bubbly your personality is because you're just like, oh, I think I should just start this business. <laughs> but like everything is working. So like, um, it seems like you kind of dove into this like head, f head first, right? Like you drove right into it. What kind of mindset shifts did you have to go through? The, the best thing that I did is I realized that if it didn't work, I have no ego. Like if Aria Design Services like brutally failed this year, oops, like I tried a business. Um, Kendra's fully employed. I have other streams of income. And so, and I have no ego. Like I would have been bummed because like we created a website. We didn't create a website though until like client number 12, by the way. Um, I was just telling people that I owned this company. Actually didn't even have a name until we furnished five units. And then we're like, we should probably name the company. Still to this day, we have no logo. Um, so Which is so funny because some of those companies grow faster because you're like, you know, we have, we're too busy to create a website, you know, we're word of mouth company. And then how many people have made logos and their businesses are not profitable? Exactly. Cause well, it goes back to the Google researcher. This, this is such an interesting point because you are a person researcher, not a Google researcher. You skip right to the main source, right to the facts, right to the people who could do it for you, right to the leverage. And so let me ask you this question. So, because when people are trying to find a market, they're trying to get started a lot of times they're doing the research. What happens if you want to be in Chicago, but you don't know anybody? Do you then do Google research? To, or how do you build you a relationship? People. Yeah. Yeah. You have to meet people. And so guys, I was meeting people from a van in New Zealand. So like if I, yes, I am extroverted, but if I can do it from there, like you can do it. Right. So the first thing I did is I went to bigger pockets. I was using their forums. Um, a lot of agents on there are like, I'm an agent and they're not really investor friendly agents. So be careful. Um, but there are really good ones in there as well. And then there are some incredible investors in those forums who are active and they're in the forums because they don't have anyone else in their life to talk about real estate. And so some of those guys and girls are crushing it in real estate and they're the most active person in the forum. It's because they like love this stuff, right? So definitely go to the forums and then go to Facebook and I type in, you know, Chicago real estate investing, Chicago investors, Chicago housing. I join every Facebook group that I can and then I lurk. I'm a lurker. Um, and so what I think a lot of investors do is they join a Facebook group and then they post the most obnoxious, like, I need an agent. I need this. I need, I, 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 I. And it's like, dude, slow down, read all of the comments. Like there's this beautiful little search icon where you can search Facebook groups. You can get most of the answers that you need without annoying people. And you'll learn if you spend 20 minutes, like reading through the forum, You'll learn really quickly. You're like, okay, stay away from Steve. He's a complainer. But Susie, she's like doing cool stuff. Like she's always posting. She's closed another deal. She just did another burr. You're like, okay, Susie's got it going on. So I'm going to message Susie and I'm never going to either message Steve or be Steve because you don't want to be annoying in these Facebook groups. Yeah, don't, don't be a Steve for sure. So that being said, like one of the things that appears to me from the surface is like you created your travel life, like upfront. This is so cool. So many people in the business, myself included, 
we backload our goals. We backload our vision. We will do this once we hit. It seems like you front-loaded it. Can you talk about the mentality, the process to make sure travel happened from the beginning and how you, how you made that work? Absolutely. I had a job where I could work remotely. And this was not commonplace in 2015. Now, 2022, going into 2023, of course, so many people can work remotely. Um, a lot of companies are embracing this um, a, the ability to be location independent. But in 2015, it was not common. And so I set out to, to apply for jobs. I had a W-2, and I only was applying for jobs that would let me work remotely. So that was my number one goal. And then to, to dial it back even further, like I... I've always been the type of personality that's like, I don't want to wait because tomorrow's not guaranteed. I unfortunately was in a near fatal car accident in high school mm -hmm. and I, I was the one that was the most injured. Everyone's okay. And it shifted my perspective forever. Like from then on, like I studied abroad like summer after freshman year. I didn't wait until summer after junior year. Not because I thought I was going to die, but I was like, what if I get an internship or a serious boyfriend? Like something could get in the way of me studying abroad. So I studied abroad right away. Same with like after college. I really wanted to work abroad. And so I like made that my number one priority, like right when I graduated. Um, I'm very much a person that thinks like, don't wait. If there's something that you really want in life, don't wait. I want to dive into the fact that you love travel and I want to make an assumption here and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong or comment if I'm right on the sense of like travel forces you to not like to be open to new experiences and to take risks. Do you believe that was part of your personality from birth? Did that develop as a result of this near fatal accident? And is that why you believe that you're so adventurous and risk taking in real estate? Yeah, I think, I think anyone's personality is like uh, nature versus nurture. And I come from two very gregarious, outgoing people. And they took me to work with them when I was little. And so like I wasn't, I didn't go to daycare. I was always around adults. So even at like age two or three, I was like speaking in full sentences and I was not afraid of anyone. My dad actually worked for a new home builder. So I grew up like on job sites and one time they lost me. They're not going to be happy. I told this story, but one time they lost me. Let's say, I don't know where it was at the grocery store, let's say. And they said, I ran up to a man that probably looks like Tim, like a man with a beard. <laughs> and they were like, our kid is such a weirdo because a normal little girl, like a normal two-year-old would run to like a very nice looking mother with other children but i like ran weirdo, to the like nearest Tim. bearded man yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry tim <laughs> like i ran to like a man with a beard and it was like because that's what i was familiar with like i hung out on job sites and so i do think part of my personality is like i don't know a stranger mm. and i've always loved people because my parents love people um and then the travel piece man, I love a good story. And so I think that like the idea of staying in your own hometown with the same people, going to the same Friday basement party, how many good stories really come from that? I mean, stories that you can tell on a podcast, probably not very many because <laughs> they're, they're inappropriate. Um, totally. And so I wanted, I wanted to live a life where I was just living a really good story. 
Yeah. Well, and you are, which is so cool. Like I resonate so deeply with this. You know, I try and do it through investing, but you're doing it through your investing and through all of these, these really amazing things. So how, how now that you're, you've really gained a lot of traction in your investment portfolios, you've running these businesses, how does that change things? Definitely have to be on the computer more than I would like, um, until I hired. And in the last four months, my life has changed drastically because I've hired great people. So if you had talked to me, even in June of this year, June, 2022, I was stressed. I was working 10 to 15 hour days because if something happened at one of my properties, because now I, I own 19 units in four states and half of them are furnished and I self-manage all of them, but two. And so if, if something happened in one of my units, it would derail the rest of my day. And so even just six months ago, I was working 10 hour days. Now I'm to a point where I'm working. If I want to, I could work 10 hours a week. Absolutely. That's the freedom that we're going for. Right. So like, let's take it back. Like, how did you identify what things you didn't want to do and what things you wanted to eliminate? And, and how did you go about in, in doing so? It was a really long process. So I had started writing this document. I think now it's 11 pages of bullet points. And it's every single thing that has to be done in order to run all my different businesses. Because so we've touched on Aria Design. So I help people furnish. I also own now a travel company. We put on five events this year all over the world. So that's a ton of marketing and logistics. I also own a coaching program where I coach real estate investors and I self-manage 19 units. So all of those businesses, um, in addition to speaking, I spoke at, I think, four conferences this year. I spoke inside 10 real estate brokerages. That all is also marketing lead generation for that, let alone like actually flying there and speaking at the event. So all of these things require so much follow-up, right? There's email, there's admin time, there's marketing, social media. So every single business has a very long bulleted list. And that took me months to create. Like I don't live in the details. That's not my favorite piece of my business. And so that probably took me three months to finally iron out. And then I started moving things around. Love this, hate this, never want to do this again. Like that's basically the list. And slowly it became a job description. That is beautiful. And it's also the exact way that somebody recommended that I would do it. If I was to do the same thing, it's like, what do you love doing? What do you hate doing? And figure out exactly what the perfect job is for you. So um, Matt kind of breached upon this a little bit because you, you totally front loaded everything. You started accomplishing your dreams right away. Um, so I'm going to ask a similar question that he did, like somebody else that is doing more goal oriented, money motivated tasks. Like, what would you tell them to maybe shift their mindset to try to shift it towards your approach, which might be much better? I mean, at the end of the day, I also care very deeply about making money. And so I, in that list, like in that bulleted list, I also wrote what's my most income producing tasks. And even though I love, like if I could actually just write all day, because you guys know I wrote a book, 30 Day Stay. I love writing. I would love to write a non-real estate book in the future. So one of the things I love doing, it sounds so silly, but I love writing Instagram captions. If you guys look at my Instagram, some of my captions are like six paragraphs long. 
you guys, that is not income producing. Therefore, I don't get to do that anymore. Even though I like doing it, that is no longer Sarah Weaver's job. That has to be someone else's job. Even though I'm like, but I want to do that. I miss writing captions for Instagram because of the storytelling, right? I love a good story. And so I focused on what's income producing. And then I'm always looking at solving people's problems. So if people are just focused on the income, you're not focused on does your business solve a problem? So Aria Design solves a very clear problem. You don't know if your property is going to work as a medium-term rental. Let us analyze it for you. We charge you 250 bucks. If you don't want to furnish your property, hire us. We will furnish it for you. If you don't know how to write a like attention-grabbing listing description, let it, us do it for you. So we solve a problem. Even my travel company solves a problem. You're lonely. You're craving connection. Your friends are sick of you talking about real estate. Start making friends who love talking about real estate and come on an epic adventure with us. So all of my businesses solve a problem. This is so awesome. Like you love writing. It sounds like for the process of writing. Have you considered like, you know, ghostwriting books or, or things of that nature? So I can't talk about it, but I have ghostwritten a book. Ah, <laughs> oh, amazing. So now that you have, and we won't talk about that book, is that a process that you would like to do again? Yes. I, I don't want to write a book for someone else. I, I wouldn't ghostwrite again. Um, I like writing I like that I wrote a book and my name's on the cover. Um, that's what's really funny, you guys. Exactly this time last year, um, I was at a goal-setting retreat, and I was reviewing my goals. And in January of 2021, I wrote in my journal, I will write a book with my name on the cover. Hmm. And then in December of that year, I hadn't done it yet, but I had sent in my proposal to Bigger Pockets, and I crossed it out, and I wrote it in the past tense. I wrote... I wrote a book with my name on the cover and 10 days later I got a book proposal with, or a book deal with bigger pockets. Wow. That is amazing. Um, thank you so much for sharing that story because it's one of those things where it's like, um, affirmations, right? They, they turn things into reality. If you do them right. Um, it's like you wrote it down as if it already happened and boom, 10 days later, you have a book deal. I would love to lean into the storytelling aspect of what you keep talking about because you love telling a story, you love writing. Um, what do you think are the key components of a good story? Because I think this is so important to anybody in sales in general. The hook. So you have to hook someone. Uh, we live in a society where no one has attention spans for anything. So it has to have a hook and has to hook them quickly. I think a really good hook is either something really extreme. Um, everyone loves a good controversy or also like incredibly emotional. Like I didn't just tell you like, oh yeah, I was in a bad car accident. Like, no, you, I was in a near fatal car accident when I was 16. Like I could describe it in such detail that you feel it. Like, you know, that movie scene when she turns her head and she sees the two headlights and then next thing it's like slow-mo glass, like flying through the air. That's what I experienced. And I can tell the story in a way that it takes you to that moment. Or I could talk about my mom getting the phone call, like the worst phone call of her life, like telling her like, you need to come here right now. So a great story has an incredible hook. I think you do that with drama 
controversy or emotion. And then it has to have an element of surprise. Even if it's like a really cliche rom-com and you're like, okay, it's not that surprising that they fell in love. We saw that happening the whole time. But, you know, opposites are like, oh my gosh, like city girl goes to small hometown, falls in love with Santa, and now she's Mrs. Claus. Like every story is this, is that. And then it has to have a good ending. Like a good story has to have an ending that leaves people either wanting more. I think that's a great ending or something feels resolved. Absolutely. One thing I want to touch on as far as your story is as you're developing, you're starting all these businesses, it seems apparent that ideas are constantly flowing to your mind and so on and so forth. How are you deciding the things that you take on and the things that you turn down as far as your own ideas or the ideas that others are putting on? Oh man, I wish I was better at saying no, because sometimes I say yes to way too many things. Um, lately, I have been better at saying no. And so I first ask, um, is this going to be good for the business? So for example, I've been invited to speak at a conference and um, the scheduling was terrible. It's kind of a, I have to fly back from abroad, et cetera, but I know it's going to be really good exposure for my business. And then the second question is like, am I going to enjoy it? Because now I'm at a place in my business where like, I, I want to keep making money and I need to keep making money because now I have a staff. Um, but also I want to enjoy things. And so there's certain things I've been invited to do that I just don't want to. And I'm in a place now where I get to say no. And so my decision making like really comes down to like, is this good for the business? AK, is it going to be income producing? Um, and then is it going to be fun? Absolutely. Such a great criteria. You know, fun is not mentioned enough in the entrepreneurial thought process. So super, super amazing. And so now that you do all of these things, like how, how are you, I mean, you talk about the love, hate, throwaway type thing. How are you gauging aptitude in, in the process? Is, is natural talent important to you when you make a business decision? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my operations manager ability to check all of the details that I miss is one of the number one reasons why certain tasks are on her plate and not mine. The I think the number one reason that things are on her tasks is like I hated property management. Like I never wanted to like deal with a tenant maintenance issue ever again. So that immediately went on her plate. Is that the best thing that she is that the thing she's best at? No. And I'd be comfortable to say, like, she can hear that on this podcast. She's not the best at that. But what she's really good at is making sure that all of the follow-up things happen. So, like, did they go out there? Did they send photos? Did they get paid? Did the tenant get communicated with? She's so good at that piece. Whereas that wasn't where I was the best. I was better at negotiating with vendors and getting prices down. Um, but she's so good at making sure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. And so that's why a lot of tasks stay on her plate is because she's so much better at the details. Yeah, that's so awesome. And then, so if you had to pick one business and you could only carry on with no, one. No, don't make me. <laughs> oh man, that's really hard. How lucky is that? Is that I really truly like all my businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so hard because I want to, of course, say invested adventures, like in the next, um, 90 days, actually 60 days, I'm going to have a goal setting retreat in Antigua, Guatemala. 
I'm actually having a reunion of my second event, like a year later, we're all getting together to celebrate my birthday in Lake Atalan, Guatemala. A few weeks later, investors are flying to Chile to hike Patagonia. And then I just announced African Safari and Mount Kilimanjaro this summer. So that company is so cool. And I would be <laughs> devastated to let it go. However, my favorite business is my coaching. I love my mentees. I didn't think I would have the patience for it. I would feel comfortable like them, them hearing that. I'm not a patient person. So sometimes when they ask me questions that I find irritating, it can be hard. However, it's all erased when like John goes under contract or like Sarah closes on more properties because she was a mentee. Like that is why I do what I do. What a tremendous answer. We're going to need to dive deeper into the coaching, but I have to ask this question now because of the way you, you responded to Matt's question. It's like you have to marry one business. You kind of picked one. What if you had to kill one business? Um, okay, I'm going to cheat because I did close down a business recently. Oh, so in, oh all in, right. That works. In, in September of this year, I closed down. I had a hiring consultation business. So I help people hire. Um, I told you guys my process of how I, I hired with all the bullet points that comes from for five years, I worked for a staffing agency. So for five years, I helped real estate agents grow their administrative staff. So picture like HGTV, real estate agents, Bravo stars, the, their assistants that they yell at on TV. Um, you can imagine the retention's not very good with those jobs. So I worked for a brilliant businesswoman who had a staffing agency staffing admin for agents. And so because of that, I, I am an expert in hiring. I'm certified in the DISC behavioral assessment. I can write a mean job ad. I'm really good at interviewing people. And so I was taking on consultation clients and helping people hire. Um, it was profitable. It was wildly profitable, but it was my least favorite thing that I did. And so I shut my doors on September 30th of this year. Beautiful. Well, I mean, that's what the show's all about. We're chasing freedom here. And we're not chasing profits, right? So, I mean, if it's profitable and it's not leading you where you want to go, maybe closing the doors is the right thing to do. Um, so back on track, you said your favorite business was the coaching. So, I mean, I would love to get into the why there. Do you, do you feel more fulfillment from the coaching? Does it give you more purpose or, or what is the reason that the coaching business has become your favorite? It's become my favorite because the results are there. Like I, I have a, a class on analyzing deals and then my students go out and analyze, you know, 10 deals that week. And then they write two offers and they tell me like, Sarah, I've done more in the last four weeks than I've done in the last four months combined. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I was meant to be doing. That's so cool. So give us a sense of like, what are the, your coaching, like, what are their, the results? Like, what are they achieving? Are, are they putting a deal under contract typically within the first four weeks? What, what were they doing before and what are they doing now that they're with you? I think a lot of them are working on their mindset. And so it's hard to measure that, but there's a lot of fear around real estate investing. Like you guys are investors, like, you know, it's scary. 
Like it's scary when a deal is going great and it's even scarier when a deal is not going great. And so everything about real estate investing is scary and a lot of people don't talk about it. We go on the podcast and we talk about like, I have 19 doors and I'm awesome. It's like, no, I have 19 doors and there was a lot of crying involved to get there because investing is scary because it's a lot of money. And so a lot of my coaching is focused around like, why are you not writing an offer on that deal? Because it clearly fits your deal criteria, because that's something that we worked on together. You knew how to analyze it and you analyzed it perfectly. So what's going on? What's that mindset shift that needs to take place? Because you tell me that you want to add $5,000 a month in cash flow. You tell me that you want to travel, but yet you haven't written an offer in six weeks. What's really going on? And that's what we talk about in coaching. Which is exactly what we're experiencing. Tim and I have a small passive investor course that we teach that's live that, that meets weekly. And it's really like, I mean, we the strategies are valuable, but they seem so secondary to the fact that it seems like most of our job is just to get people to not be afraid. And so, you know, I'm curious to get your take on this, but essentially you can make people not afraid by telling them, oh, it's not a big deal. But a lot of times that doesn't register with people. And so it is a big deal because it is a big deal. And it, I mean, and in reality, like, especially when you're starting out in investing, like everything feels overwhelming. And so we start our show off often with the craziest real estate experience, which we're, we're kind of like, we go back and forth. We're like, we're hope, what we hope will happen is that people will become desensitized to the craziness and then therefore will lose their fear of it. But I'd, I'd curious to get your take. Like, what are the things that's working for you in helping people take action, overcome their fears? bring them back to what they told me at the beginning. So at the beginning of my program, you fill out an intake form. And one of the questions is, what does your best life look like? And the answers, ooh, I'm like getting chills. The answers are so good. Like some of them, you know, right? Like I travel, I do this, like it's a couple sentences, but some of them take the time to write this beautiful narrative of like, I wake up when I want to, or I spend quality time with my spouse for the first two hours of the day. Like this beautiful narrative of what their life looks like. And it's usually pretty contrasted with their reality in that moment. And I bring them back to that. And I say, hey, like, Bobby, you told me that this is what you wanted. So what's going on? Like, why haven't you written a not? You haven't even written an offer, let alone closed on something. So like what, and then, and then like how many deals have you actually analyzed? And then they're like, that's where the truth really comes out. They're like, okay, well, I actually haven't been analyzing deals. And I say, okay, why, what's going on? And they're like, oh, well, like this is happening and this is happening and this is happening in my life. And so a lot of times I'm actually helping my students get things off their plate. So like hire someone to mow your lawn. Yep. That sounds so silly, yep. but hire someone to mow your lawn because that's what you're spending your Saturday doing. You told me that you wanted to invest in real estate because you want to spend more time with your kids. Not only are you not spending time with your kids because you're mowing the lawn and they're inside watching TV, you're also not analyzing deals. So that's not getting you any closer to owning more real estate. And so like, what's going on? And really just like showing them what's right in front of them. That I think that's the, the biggest gift that you can give them. 100%. I went through this. So I'm in a group called Go Abundance and, and you get put in a pods. And in these pods, we meet weekly. And we decided as a pod to go through Vivid Vision, the book. 
And it was really, really fun because in this vivid vision, we got to write out our three-year vision and you try and write it out as much detail as possible. And it's tremendous to experience your why when it's in 4K, when you've taken the time to do so much detail. I had this idea. I want to get your take on it because you're way more of a story person than I am. And I recognize the need to be in story. But I had this idea, like what happens if we took maybe say some overseas, you know, video editors, animators, so on and so forth. And you ran a person through a journey. And maybe you could do this in Guatemala or something where they write this vivid vision of their life. And then you send it to a animator that then animates that. So it's like, like literally visual, like, cause to the degree that I had a visual of my life was to the degree that it's like, I'm not letting that go. Like, there's no way that I can picture those interactions with my wife or those interactions with my kids or, or that level of freedom. And, and like that dream's never going to die. So can you talk to that? Absolutely. I think exactly what you just described is something that everyone should do. So everyone needs to sit down and really write their vivid vision. I think we have probably at least 10,000 real estate investors in the community who are like, yeah, 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 I know vivid vision. I should read vivid vision. Yeah, 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 I know. And it's like, no, stop what you're doing right now. Press pause on this podcast and go write. You only need 45 minutes. Like if you really sit down, either pen to paper or, you know, fingers to keyboard, and it is incredible what you can come up with. Um, I had the, the opportunity to go to Maui Mastermind with Charles Yarber and Brandon Turner, and they sent us out into, you know, the courtyard in Hawaii. And I wrote and wrote and wrote. And granted, you know, I like writing, but it is unbelievable what came out when I actually stopped what I was doing, slowed down, and wrote this beautiful story. I had the opportunity to share my vivid vision with some of the people in the group. And the three guys in the group, I brought them to tears because they were like, oh my God, like we can see you. Like we can see you have everything that you want, Sarah. Like it's right there. And I believe it. Like I know that everything that I want is going to come true. Some of it's going to come faster. Some of it's going to take longer. Some of it's going to be easy. Some of it's going to be really, really hard. And I know it's all going to come true. You could totally say no to this, but like you, I'm a sucker for a great story. And I would love to illustrate for the audience what good quality why and story writing is like, would you be willing on this show to give us a section, give us a portion of that so people can understand the value of, of a vision? All right. Yeah, here I go. I'm going to pull it up. Um, all right, you guys, it's eight pages. So I'm obviously just going to pick one section. Um, man, this is really good. All right, let's see. All right, I'll share two. I'll share one piece that feels really comfortable, and I'll share one piece that does not feel comfortable. How's that mm, sound? Thank you. All right. So beautiful. <laughs> it's very, very generous. All we right. really appreciate this. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, all right, here we go. Um, so for those of you that are not watching on video, um, I am, I carry myself very confidently and I am the heaviest I've ever been. This is the most out of shape I've ever been. And so that's, that's the thing that I struggle with the most. Okay. So here we go. All right. So I walk into stores and can buy clothes off the shelf. They not only fit, but I feel beautiful in them. 
I worked really hard for the body I have and it shows. People ask me all the time how I lost 100 pounds and they don't like my answer. The answer is I made a decision to lose the weight. It wasn't simple, but yet it was. A decision I made in 2022 changed my life and my health forever. I'm so proud of how I show up in the world physically. I've hiked mountains and conquered physical tasks that I never thought were for someone like me. I'm like those women in the Banff Mountain Film Festival films, and it makes me laugh with pure joy when I reflect on the adventures that I've not only dreamed up, but also made a reality. Then to add that I've brought 3,000 real estate investors with me on trips around the world, and while the events are magical, it's what I call the after effect that fuels me to do what I do. I've helped men admit they're scared. I've helped families conquer hard issues in their finances, their marriage, and their personal lives. My event showed women that you don't have to wait. You don't need to wait until you have a certain dollar amount in a bank, a supportive partner, or even a ring on your finger. Women and men can do really hard things even when they're single or single income, or divorced, or heartbroken, or whatever life has handed them. They can do what they want. They deserve a life by design, and my events show them that. Not just the event. Yeah, it's super rad that we wine taste in Portugal, ice fish in Alaska, drink beers at Oktoberfest, and hike Kilimanjaro. Those are so cool. I pinch myself that this is my life and that I get paid to do this, but it's not that. It's what happens after the event, the after effect. After attending my event, people write more offers and own more real estate. They earn more passive income. And in turn, they quit the job they hate, show up as a better version for themselves, for their wives, for their kids, and for themselves. They love who they are more because of something that they learned at my event. They no longer feel alone and scared. Okay, they're still kind of scared, but then they get to pick up the phone and call Mike or Emily, who they hiked Patagonia with or shared a cocktail at sunset and say, hey, Mike, I know I want to take down this deal, but I'm kind of scared because guess what? They're not alone anymore. You're not meant to do any of this alone. My events not only show you that, but they give you that. The community you crave, the connections you deserve are two of the many gifts that my company provides you. Whoa. Um, wow. So take us through, what was the journey like for you in writing that? It was cathartic. I like ended it feeling like 50 pounds lighter, mm. <laughs> pun intended. Um, I, I like felt it. Like I could see the people like, arm in arm, like being like, dude, wasn't that cool that we just hiked Kilimanjaro together? Like way to go. And then calling each other like months later and being like, Oh my God, Sarah, I did it. Like I just closed on my first 50 unit. Um, I like could see it. I could like actually visualize it. That's phenomenal. And so as a result, you feel joy, happiness, all of these emotions, was there any contrary? Was there any part of you that's saying, you're just creating this fantasy, it's only fantasy? Yes. Um, 
like I told you, it's eight pages long. <laughs> and mm. so there is a mm-hmm. section um, about a wedding. And um, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm very single, uh, not just single, like very single, because um, I don't slow down enough to like intentionally date totally. anyone or like yeah. give anyone my attention. Of course. And so the part about my wedding, because um, again, you're writing this like far in the future, right? Yeah. Um, that felt a little, it felt a little fantasy. I'm like, oh, I like, I like need to like, I don't know, download a dating app first. Like I like, but, but they tell <laughs> you like, that's something that Tarl Yarber did a really good job about when, when they sent us into the courtyard to work on our vivid vision. It's do not get distracted by the how. Yes. Like how yes. I'm going to lose a hundred pounds. I don't know. Um, maybe go on a freaking walk. <laughs> that would help. Um, like, or like how I'm going to like get to my wedding day with someone amazing. I don't know how that's going to happen. I'd have to like download a dating app or slow down. Or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to happen, but Tarl made it really clear. He was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how it's going to happen. Just like really believe it's going to happen. So I did that with everything. Like, you know, company making 50 million, like, owning this much real estate, walking down the aisle. Like, I don't know how these things are going to happen, but I believe wholeheartedly that they can. Yeah. I was thinking today, I was on a walk in between a couple of our episodes and it hits me like, it, it seems like you might be this way too. Like I've been a doer my whole life. And so when I think about things, I think about what do I need to do in order to achieve the goal? And then realizing things like, weight, which I have struggled with my entire life as well, are not doing things as much as they are like being like, it's more like a philosophy than an action. And so there's certain problems in our lives that we can solve with actions. And then there's certain problems that we have to solve with philosophies more than actions. Like, and, and sometimes the art of action and the art of urgency actually can become the enemy of a state of being because you create a world of stress when you're in action and all kinds of things. So like, as you created your eight page thing, like, did you, did you sense that as well? Where it's like, I have to fundamentally change as a person in order to be able to, and I know you're not thinking about how, when you write this, but I guess the question is how did writing this change you? Yeah. Writing this made it so abundantly clear that I needed to let go of all control with my operations manager. Hmm. I wasn't going to get anything like actually nothing on my vivid vision could be possible if I didn't let go of the small stuff because there's no way that like Aria design services is going to hit, you know, quarter of a million, um, invested adventures was going to hit a million. My coaching program was going to be able to serve as many investors as I want to. None of that was going to be possible if I was still managing my calendar, reading my emails and doing property management, let alone, like, when am I going to lose the weight and start dating again? Like, I need time back. And so the, like, immediate thing that happened after that was I let, it, I let go mentally. Like, I trust her wholeheartedly now because I have to. Yeah. And so it's a sense of change of, like, like the risk of letting the businesses go, the risk of losing the joy of being in the businesses, so on and so forth. And so like being married and forgive me for asking this question, you don't have to answer it, but being married's on your, on your list, but, but you've blocked off the wall to the access and you kind of referencing that, like, is it, is it more like, Hey, when the right guy comes, he'll find a way through the door, even though there's no door, 
or is it that you're, you're setting priorities? Like I need to accomplish these things before I feel mentally and emotionally safe and ready for a relationship. I think it's what you were saying. It's, it's doing versus being. And so I am, I'm good at dating. Like I'm great at banter. So like dating apps, I'm hilarious. That's great. Going on <laughs> dates, super good at going on dates. You know what I'm not good at? Wifing. Like I don't consider someone else's feelings very, for very long. Not because I'm inconsiderate. I think that's, I hope that that's clear. But I'm already like, if you guys saw my 2023 plans, I don't even know where another human would fit into that. And so I need to make a shift about being like, I need to be emotionally available to someone. I need to be open to compromise. Like compromise cannot often come off as a really negative thing, but I mean, Matt, you're married. Like relationships are about compromise. If you don't mm -hmm. compromise, you don't have the relationship for too long. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I think I need to change my way of being. Yeah. Before I can even even like consider dating intentionally or seriously again. Wow. What what were some things like in writing this? What were some things you didn't expect to happen? Um I wrote really big numbers um like for my different businesses. Like I just have I didn't know that I had that big of goals. That was really cool. Um, and that was that was all a product of surrounding. So like sitting next to a 29-year-old who makes $50,000 passive from his real estate portfolio and then probably another 150000 from his active business, that raised my financial thermometer. Absolutely tremendous. Um, I want to talk about the progression of the writing. Now, obviously, you didn't share the whole vivid vision, but for me, I caught something that was immediate to me. Like when you first started, everything you were discussing were internal goals, right? You were talking about losing weight and so on and so forth. And as the progression went, as, as you know, you write, writing, you flow, and it, eventually you kind of channel the energy it kind of feels like. And your goals were pretty much almost exclusively for the last three quarters were external. You were looking at helping other people. So could we get, dive into the thought process and the emotions of that? I get so much joy from helping others. And I'm also a really big believer that everyone is given a certain set of gifts. And I know my gifts are connecting with people. And so I wouldn't be doing like myself or even my circle a service if I didn't connect people. And then I just feel really lucky that my vehicle is real estate investing or invested adventures or the coaching program, whatever it might be. I feel really lucky that I get to use that gift of connecting. Yeah. And what, what do you see? I mean, like you've created businesses, you create a lot of passive income, you have 19 rentals. So I'm assuming financial freedom is very, very close. If it's not already completely upon you, what do you see as you put much larger numbers in your bank account, much more cash flow? What, what, how do you see your life changing? You guys, I have been living like a frugal, dirty backpacker. So I've been to 46 countries and the first 44 were me being so stinking cheap. And so um, truly, like, I'm very aware of the idea of lifestyle creep. Even my CPA is like, Sarah, go spend money. <laughs> like, you <laughs> are too cheap. 
And so that's something I'm excited about because like you guys probably live in homes. You might have, you know, things in your kitchen. I'm trying to think of something like a Vitamix or like nice pots and pans or like a grill that you like smoking meats in, like whatever that thing is. I'm 32 years old and I've never had any of those things because I've lived so slim when I do live somewhere because I know I'm going to just go abroad soon or I literally have been living out of a suitcase for the last four years. And so there's so many pieces of like normal life that I'm so excited to experience. And I hope, I hope no matter how wealthy I get, like stuff like that will still be really exciting. I mean, it sounds really exciting just hearing it come out of your mouth. So, I mean, it sounds amazing. Um, you had mentioned you had some big and bigger and bigger goals coming and coming. So, like, what is your vision for the next 12 to 18 months, Sarah? Yeah, the next 12 to 18 months, um, I want, I, I'm missing probably another essential hire. So, really getting my bookkeeping in order in the next 90 days, um, of course, for tax season, and really making it very clear to myself that there's plenty of money to hire another person because I know my team's missing someone. So excited to bring on one more hire. Um, and then really focusing on my health. Like 2023 is going to be my year of health. Someone gave me this great phrase, if this is going to be my healthiest year yet, what would it look like? And so I'm hiking Patagonia. I may or may not be hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in June. And so really just focusing on, um, there's going to, it's going to take a team of people, you know, I need to learn how to eat better. Um, I need to somehow learn how to lose weight while traveling. Um, everyone knows how to lose weight. It's really like, it's easy, you know, intake less calories, yeah. exercise more. It's, it's not rocket science. Right. Um, but I need to somehow figure out how to do that while traveling full time. Um, and then all three of my businesses, I have, I mean, big income growth goals, um, to serve more investors. Absolutely tremendous. Um, super stoked for 2023 and what it has coming for you, Sarah. Um, thank you so much for giving us a, a glimpse into your life and into your business. Um, Sarah Weaver, the homeless homeowner, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, to those of you out there seeking freedom, don't wait. If you want something, go after it, go do it now. Define what you really want in life and write down your vivid vision and share it with somebody like Sarah just did with everybody. Take massive action and start taking steps to accomplish that right now. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.